the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We are the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry uh, dedicated to dealing with the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, uh, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Well, tonight we come to part number nine in our new series regarding the uproar and lawlessness, the violence and division, and the spiritual warfare in our country today. Ever since the death of George Floyd by a racist police officer, Satan has taken this one incident, this one thing, and has ignited a war among those in the American cities. And the people all over our country are looking for answers. They're looking for answers and solutions, but they're looking in all the wrong places. Well, tonight, Dr. Buckner will continue his message and continue to give us some solutions by getting to the root. Yes, we need to get to the root so that we can bear fruit. For we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. (laughs) And we know you're going to be challenged and yet lifted up by our program tonight. And as Brother Gary has said, we've been doing this series on you got to get to the root in order to bear the fruit. And I tell you, if we don't get to the root, we're just going to continue to have no godly fruit. We're going to continue to have the chaos, the madness, the craziness. And everything else that's going on in the world today, uh, the anger, uh, the hostility, the fear, the hate, the violence, the looting, all the stuff we see in our inner cities, on the streets, is due to one uh, three-letter word, that's sin. Sin is deeper than skin, and we got to get to the root, and allow Jesus to deal with this sin problem because he's the only one that can deal with it, you know, and trying to fix the issue of racism is not the number one answer because it's just a symptom. It's just an outward thing, you know, and trying to talk about reparations and, and all that stuff is just the outward things. We got to deal with the inward part of man from the Bible. 
And that is sin. We got to deal with that issue of sin. And this issue of sin always creates with it at its root bitterness. Bitterness. And it started with the sin problem in, the, in heaven with the enemy. And the enemy of our souls brought it to the Garden of Eden. And then he brought it to the entire human race. And you know, if you don't deal with this thing of sin, you will continue to be bitter and you won't get better. You'll just get bitter, angry, mad, want to fight somebody, want to do something violent to somebody. And uh, so I was saying last time I was dealing with this thing of bitterness and I brought it to a biblical example of somebody in the Bible. I want you to pay attention to this carefully in your Bibles. We want to encourage you to turn with us to the book of Ruth, right after the book of Judges. The book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And let me give you a major example of the root of bitterness in the Bible. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. The book of Ruth is right after, like I said, the book of Judges. Now, let me break down to you again the background of this story. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 20, Naomi marries a man by the name of El Melech. She gives birth to two sons. Her husband dies, and she was left with her two sons. The sons married, and about 10 years later, both sons died. And Naomi is devastated. And rather than turning this devastation to God, so he could give her peace in the midst of this, she allowed bitterness to come in her heart and says to her mother-in-law, says to her mother-in-law, in Ruth chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 20. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. <laughs> Don't you see how bitterness can make you get angry with mankind? But Because she got angry with the mother-in-law, but even on a greater level, she got Angry with God Almighty. Bitterness starts with sin, my friend. And you could coat it up, butter it up, and try to do everything to hide it up. But it, it's, the, it's a sin problem that gives birth to bitterness. And she had bitterness towards God Almighty. And, uh, and we see this going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, the enemy caused our foreparents to get bitter with God. And so Naomi says, this, God did this to me. God did this to me. No, God didn't do that to you. You know, we experience all sorts of things in life. Uh, death, loved ones, loss of jobs. Uh, we experience sicknesses, we experience uh, 
many different health issues, financial issues. And if you don't have a right perspective, Satan can come in and make you get angry with God about all of this stuff. And look at the atheists today, the agnostic and skeptics there, angry with saying that there is no God, especially the atheists. See, taking it out on God and the Bible. And that's why David has said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now think about this. Our bitterness and resentment many times, it is a disdirect towards another person, which really is directed towards God. We say, why didn't God stop this? How many times have we heard this before? Why didn't God stop this? <clears throat> now, you've got to have some apologetic training to deal with all of these questions that come before us. Why, did God, why didn't God stop this? Why didn't God stop that person from abusing me, from hurting me, almost killing me, or killing me, uh, and almost killed me and killed others? Why did God allow my baby to die, my teenager, my husband, my wife, my relatives? You say, God, you could have stopped them. Why, God, are you uh, blessing that evil person? That's the problem with Habakkuk had, you know, that God was, somebody God was causing the, the wicked to prosper, and he just couldn't get over that, and God had to deal with him later on about that issue, because he had a wrong perspective. He started getting bitter towards God, Habakkuk. Read the book of Habakkuk. Why in the world would you bless a person like that and not bless me? See, that why thing is a dangerous thing because you should never put the why before God. You should put trust before God. That's an important thing. Put trust before God, not the why before God. The why will always cause your emotions to run haywire. Why did you allow my business to fail? Why did you burn down my business with vandalism? So why, 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 you know, and why don't I have a job now, God? Uh, why am I struggling financially? Why, God, did you allow this person to leave me? I love them so much, and why did they just walk away from me? These are all questions that reflect a spirit of bitterness towards God, just like Naomi. Now, the word or the name Naomi. Now make a note of this. The word or the name, now this is great truth here. Make a note of this. The word, the name Naomi means pleasant in Hebrew. It means pleasant. So Naomi says, <laughs> she got so bitter, she didn't want to be called pleasant anymore. So she says, don't call me this, instead call me Mara. And what does the word Mara mean? It means, in Hebrew, bitter. When the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, <laughs> you know, the Lord, it took the Lord one night to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. It took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and should have made it to the 
made it through it in seven years. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? When the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, they came to the spring of a water, and the water were bitter. So they called it Mara. Isn't that interesting? In the wilderness, they called this word water Mara, and then Naomi wanted to be called Mara, M-A-R-A. Later, God told Moses to take a tree. Now, notice this. Later, God told Moses to take a tree and cast it into the water, and the waters would become sweet. You know, you can look at Exodus chapter 15. Read the whole story. Now, I believe that they cut down the tree, but it doesn't say that. The tree was probably taken from the ground with the root, roots intact. Notice the word root, root intact. And then cast into the waters of Mara, making it sweet. Oh, this is great truth here. Listen to this now and bringing this home in conclusion. This being a typology or a symbolic that the tree, and notice how Jesus was nailed on a tree. Isn't that interesting? He was nailed on a tree. That the tree with its roots is none other than Jesus. The book of Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, calls Jesus the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Revelation 22 and 16. Jesus was called the root and offspring of Jesse, being cast into the bitter waters, making it sweet again. Oh, Jesus will make your life sweet again if you trust him. He'll take all that bitterness and that hate and unforgiveness out of your heart and make your life a life of forgiveness and sweetness in your life, in your home, in your marriage with your family, in your community. You can make the community sweet in the midst of bitterness. Look at all this bitterness going on everywhere in the inner cities today. And yet, if we turn to Jesus, he can take that bitterness and turn it to sweetness. Again, the deep down bitter anger, hurt, abandonment, abuse, hate, shame, guilt, and uh, Jesus can make all of that stuff sweet Again, if we confess our sins, repent of our sins, trust in him as our Savior and Lord, he'll take away all that bitterness, the first B, bitterness, and bring it to the second B, the Bible, and another B, making it better by another B, believing. I want you to say this prayer with me in closing. Dear Lord, forgive me for living a life of bitterness towards somebody in my family, in my church, in my community, even towards the President of the United States. Lord, take away from me that bitterness, and I confess my sins regarding every bitter thing in my heart against you and against my fellow man. Bring me the sweetness of your love towards you and my enemy. Bring me the sweetness of your forgiveness. Bring me the sweetness 
of your help, healing, and hope. Those three ages. Help, healing, and hope. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. All right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And we always want to encourage you to call in, to get your questions answered, to to have us entertain your comments, and especially if you need prayer, because we always say prayer should be your first response and not your last resort. So we want to encourage you to to call in for that prayer. And speaking of prayer, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith over these many, many years. So important that you continue to do so. We know that this is a prayer-driven ministry. Without your prayers, we would not have been able to be on the air as long as we have, we know. And also, we want to encourage you that uh, we also need not only your prayer support, but we need your financial partnership. This is a listener-supported ministry, and we need your support continuously. It costs us 400 a week to uh, pay for the airtime, not to mention an additional 150 a month for our podcasts. So it's, a, it's an expensive proposition, but God is able to work through his people. And we've seen it time and time again, and we can't thank you enough for allowing God to use you to partner with us here at Contending for the Faith. There's two ways that you can donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon is spelled T-I-B, U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Just go online, get on your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button, and it's that simple. You will be a blessing for time and eternity. Dr. Buckner, you ready to go to the callers? Amen. Okay. Let's go ahead, go ahead and take Jermaine's call. Hello, Brother Jermaine. Oh, hello. How are you doing, Brother? Oh, I'm doing very well. Oh, good, good. Good to hear your voice again. And what's on your heart tonight, my brother? What's your, what question you have? Well, I was, I was just thanking you for the message that you preached earlier. And then my question is, is it ever right to pray for your candidate to win something? And I ask that because I see... Everybody seems to have have this belief that the prayer for their candidate is most important. And I just kind of feel a little uneasy about that kind of stuff. You know, shouldn't we be praying for God's will to be done versus your particular candidate to, to make it, uh, whether you're, you know, whatever political side of the fence you're on? Right, right. Well, that's a very good question. Um well, first and foremost, uh, that it tells us in First Timothy chapter two, First uh, Timothy chapter two and verses one and two, uh, the Apostle Paul says, 
regarding uh, leaders, uh, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. So, and so, uh, so we are to pray for uh, our leaders, but this is the key to the question that you're asking, is that whoever's in a leadership position, uh, whether it's a president or anyone else, uh, we should pray uh, that uh, God's will be done, as you said. <clears throat> and when we pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we could pray that uh, the candidate who's in office, that he will line up to God's will. And if he lines up to God's will more so than the other candidate, then that's the candidate that we pray for and we pray that God's will will be perfected in his life and that he would come more into harmony with God's uh, heart and God's teaching of his word. So the, the, as you mentioned, and that's a key word, the will. So we have to pray that uh, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what Jesus did. You know, he prayed uh, not so much for, uh, well, we pray for leaders, as it says in First Timothy chapter 2, but we pray that they will come in harmony and alignment and in consistently to his will. And if they do, then that's the candidate that we uh, are able to pray for uh, and pray that they will uh, come into victory over whatever position that they're in because they're more in alignment to God's will. So we're praying for candidates today who are running for office, that they will stand against abortion, that they'll stand against uh, homosexuality and immorality, that they uh, will stand uh, for the family and marriage between a man and a, and a woman, and that uh, they will stand for, uh, you know, the truth that's, that's laid out in the Bible, uh, and those basic things like that. And uh, so, uh, and also that they'll have a stance towards uh, capital punishment, because God is for that. So when you have a candidate who is standing for those values, those biblical truths, we can, that, that's lined up to the will of God. And we can say, okay, that's the person that we want to stand with that person uh, in a leadership role. So we got to make sure that that happens and that uh, whoever, whoever is in a leadership role, another thing that's God's will is that they are for law and order, uh, not for lawlessness. And so Romans chapter 13 talks about uh, law and order, and it speaks against uh, lawlessness. And we see all of the lawlessness going on today, and uh, a party that's not going to speak out against lawlessness 
uh, we need to uh, stand against that, stand against those basic uh, principles there. So hopefully that kind of helps to give you a little uh, insight uh, and who's going to come before the, the world and, and swear on the Bible and live by it as well, make an oath on the Bible and then live by it. So that's, that's my, and, and that's going to be in great support of uh, the church and the church's stance uh, and, and, and even over a separation of church and state. So that's all important. So hopefully that helps to, to uh, give a little more insight to expanding the will and uh, lining it up to whatever candidate that's in office. Can I add okay, something, uh, Dr. Buckner? Yes, please do. Because I, I, I remember a friend of mine years ago when uh, Obama was first elected and he, hadn't, he had not voted for Obama but he, after Obama won, he wrote a letter to the president basically stating that, you know what, I didn't vote for you, but the word of God says that I'm to pray for you as, as the commander in chief and the leader of our country. So I'm going to support you and pray for you. And that's, that stayed with me for a long time because today I don't know of a whole lot of folks who are praying for our current president regardless of how they may feel about them what does the word of god say it says to pray for your leaders right you know and to pray that they lead by following his lead you know and so regardless who ends up in the in that oval office at some point we need to 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 have the level of maturity to do what god's word says and to pray for our leaders well that's they would yeah that is so true, Gary, and it, it fits right into First uh, Timothy uh, chapter two, and uh, and it goes back to my message earlier too. Uh, when we don't deal with the root problem and we allow bitterness in our hearts, mm -hmm. then that bitterness is towards life, God, president, and you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people that are more uh, complaining about the president and hating on him rather than praying for him and saying, you know what, they won't even go as far as saying that he is our president. I mean, they have that much hate in their hearts and bitterness. And, and uh, when you have that hate and bitterness, uh, it's self-destructive. It'll cause you to uh, deteriorate because that's not what God has called us to do. He says, even if you, if you feel that he is an enemy, God even says, love your enemy. So, you know, so yeah, there's, they are without excuse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But Jermaine, hopefully that kind of helps to give a little more insight to uh, your question. All right. Okay. Well, it is time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Barry, a pastor, lecture counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We want to encourage you to continue to pray for Contending for the Faith and continue to partner with us financially. 
There's two ways that you can donate. First way is simply send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go on to your laptop or smartphone. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button, and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. It costs us 400 a week to remain on the air, plus another 150 a month for our podcast. So it's not, um, it's an, it is an expensive proposition to uh, do this program, but God has blessed us through you to continue to be able to, to make ends meet and keep the program alive and on the air. But we do need your help. We need your prayers and we need your support. So let's get back to our phone callers. I think we got Brother Rick back, Dr. Buckner. Yes, that's uh, good. Let me, just say, let me just say this before we get Rick. Yeah, I just want to dovetail off what you said about the uh, support. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support and your prayers. And we just want to encourage people to continue to do that and step up to the plate. We need help this week in order to take care of this next uh, 400 and plus the podcast. And then we want to encourage people to uh, send us uh, notes along with your donation uh, on how much the program has blessed you and encouraged you. So uh, we need uh, those words of encouragement from you. that It helps to bless us and encourage us along the way. Let's go to CC. All right, Brother CC. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Oh, we're, we're truly blessed, truly blessed. Uh, uh, we trust that you got encouraged by the word tonight. I always get encouraged every time I've looked at this program. I've never been happy. Oh, good. What was one thing that stood out for you tonight? The, the main thing that stood out to me is when you talked about forgiveness that can build up in your heart and use an example, but then use Christ and that he's the one to take that bitterness away and you use the example of the stick that was thrown in the water and you, use, and you tie that to being Christ and that he's the one who died on a tree Amen, very good, very good appreciate that feedback and what's on your heart tonight what question do you have I want to ask you about um, Arminians um, what is what is um, if you could just give me a little bit of background information on it or, or what's the view of it. Yes, yes. And uh, what what makes you uh, ask the question? I'm just curious. Um, I was just doing some studies. I mean, before when I was looking at some studies a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at Pelagianism and some other things, and then I was seeing something brief on Armenians that was kind of like connected, connected to that. So I, mean, I, want, I, thought, I want to ask you about it. Right. Uh, well, you had you had two schools of, of thought uh, that uh, debated each other uh, during the time of John Calvin, and uh, you had J- Jacob Arminius. Uh, he was uh, the leader of Arminianism. That's how they get Arminianism from Jacob uh, Arminius, and then uh, John Calvin. So, uh, so. Basically, in a nutshell, you had around the 17th century uh, that Arminianism uh, is a basically a theological movement of Christianity, uh, and it's a uh, a reaction to uh, 
uh, a liberal reaction to the Calvinistic doctrine of predestination because, you know, the doctrine of predestination basically uh, taught in Calvinism of double predestination. I have the Institutes of Calvin, uh, John Calvin, and basically taught that some people, uh, people don't have a free will. Uh, people are, uh, some people God have chosen from the foundation of the world, and then uh, others he has damned uh, for eternal hell. That's uh, not a biblical position and a biblical doctrine, uh, double predestination. We need to always understand that in the light of uh, Calvin, uh, Calvinism. And uh, Calvin, John Calvin, emphasized so much upon God's sovereignty and uh, the aspects of free will uh, was uh, not an option, you know. And so God alone determines uh, in Calvinism, God alone determines uh, who's going to get saved. Whereas uh, in uh, Arminianism, they gave a rebuke to that and simply said, no, uh, man does have a free will and a free choice in the matter. And so they would put together the sovereignty of God and free will together and say, no, uh, people are not down. Uh, from the foundation of the world. Uh, they have a free will to choose. Uh, it's kind of like when Jesus uh, went on the uh, mountain and he looked down at Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou the stone of the prophets and them that will come after thee. Oh, how would it gather you as a hen, gather a chick, but you would not. Not that they could not, but they just didn't, didn't have a will to come. So uh, I would kind of lean... Uh, with some views of Calvinism, but other views of Arminianism. My mentor, uh, and especially in this area of, uh, of the sovereignty of God and free will, I would lean more towards uh, our Arminianism from that perspective. But Walter Martin, one time, my mentor was uh, asked, uh, what are you? Are you a Calvinist or are you Arminians? And Walter Martin, my mentor, said, I'm a Cal Arminian. <laughs> I'm a Cal Arminian, which means that I grab a little bit of this and grab a little bit of this. And so, so when you look at the tulip of uh, Calvinism, uh, you know, the tulip, there are some things in there that is doctrinally sound. But when you get to the L in Calvinism, which is standing for limited atonement, I don't agree with that because... Uh, God does not, doesn't have a limited atonement. And that's why in John, in John's epistle, First John, he says, he's not only the propitiation for our sins, but the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God desires that none should perish, but all be brought to repentance. So, and then Calvinism has uh, the perseverance of the saints. So you got to be really wise and discerning and looking at uh, what are the errors of Calvinism and, and the truth of Calvinism and the errors of Arminianism because they have their uh, problems as well. So uh, that's uh, basically uh, where I would uh, kind of break it down to a little bit uh, from you. And so uh, do some more study on it and uh, 
and uh, homework on it. And then if you have any other questions on it in the future, let me know. Hopefully, I've been able to kind of give you a Reader's Digest condensation of the differences on a, on a little level. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, let's uh, get to okay. your prayer. Uh, you have any prayer uh, requests? Yeah, if you could just pray for uh, my mother and my family. And just pray for me. I know something that's been bothering me since I was, since I was a little kid. I just want God to you know, deliver me. To, you know what I'm saying? So things that they haven't. If you could just, uh, yeah, just pray for that. You know, my family, you know, celebrities. You know. Amen. Amen. Uh, Isaiah, hey, my mom. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's, let's pray. Lord, we just lift up Brother Cece and his family, especially his mother, Rosalinda. We pray for whatever this situation that's been plaguing him since he was a child, Lord God. You know what it is. And Lord God, just like the woman who had an issue of blood for many, many years and suffered for a long time, but she realized that if she could just reach out and touch the hem of your garment, she would be healed. And Lord God, we just pray that our prayers reach up and touch your throne, Lord God, that that healing virtue would flow into Cece's life. And we pray, Lord God, that you would bless him, strengthen him, and encourage him. We pray, Lord God, for the celebrities that he's brought up over many weeks, Lord God, that their lives would be touched and impacted by your saving grace as well. In Jesus' name, amen. And CC, let me give you this scripture. Thank you, Brother Gary. Uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There has no temptation taken you, but it's such common to man. But God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted above, that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 and Isaiah 54 and 17 uh, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, God shall condemn. And so lean on those scriptures because there's power in the word. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You got it. God bless you. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Sophia and uh, see if we can squeeze her in. And then if we've got time, we'll try to get Rick back. All right, Sophia. Oh, um, can you hear me? We can yes. hear you. How you how you doing? Fabulous. I'm so happy to talk to you. I'll be very quick so we can get Rick in. So it's not a fancy question. You know, I know I love listening to C.C. Germain and Rick. They come up with really good questions. But, you know, Brother Gary always says, um, you know, uh, prayer is, is not our last resort, right? Right. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. I can hear you. Oh, just, okay. So I have a question about prayer. Two simple things, but it really, I want to make sure I'm praying exactly right. I wanted to say hello to, I call her Sweetie Sadie if she's listening. I don't know, it was on my heart to say hello to her. Now, the thing that I want to say, Sally, excuse me, Sally. I wanted to say hello to Sally. But what I wanted to say is, I always ask, we always say, oh, God, give me the strength whatever it is, to deal with whatever I'm dealing with. But then I'm reading James, and I thought, aren't we supposed, two questions real fast, aren't we supposed to ask for wisdom, and then the wisdom gives us the strength by once we know what to do and how to get through it? That's my first question. So maybe I'm not supposed to ask for strength, but the wisdom. The second one is, when, when sometimes I'll say, oh, mercy, oh, Lord, I cry out for mercy, uh, have mercy on me, um, you know, forgive my sins maybe help me through this thing. And then I thought that he's already given us the most incredible mercy any anyone could receive, the blood of his son. So maybe I should say, 
oh, I cry out for, and I thank you for the mercy you've already given me. So I want to make sure I'm praying correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good, a good question. Um, you know, the Bible is uh, full of uh, scriptures on uh, wisdom, mercy, and strength. And we, we should uh, cry out to God regarding all of it, you know, uh, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul talked about his grace is sufficient for us uh, in our weaknesses and the strength is made perfect. So he prayed for the strength as well. And then uh, Jesus uh, talked about the Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So blessed are the merciful, which, mean, which means happy. The word blessed is another word for happy. And when you are happy and you're merciful, and you're living that merciful life, which uh, comes through God's grace. Uh, because when you even look at the, uh, uh, the ministers of God, you can do a study like, for instance, on the uh, pastors or leaders of the church uh, in the uh, pastoral epistles, you know, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. You see, and you see throughout the 13 letters of Paul, that he's always talking about grace and, and, and peace. But when it comes to the leaders, uh, he's telling them to pray for grace, peace, and mercy come upon them. So throughout the scriptures uh, that we, we seek God's grace, that we may obtain mercy, the writer of Hebrews, that we might obtain mercy in the time of need. So our prayers should always be on all three. We should pray for all three because that's what people did in the Bible. I'm not saying for asking for mercy, it's okay because he's already given us the ultimate mercy. So it's okay to still ask for mercy. Oh, yeah. You, you, you ask for mercy because people, even when they saw Jesus, they said, have mercy on me according to thy loving kindness. So mercy is, uh, is a, a never-ending prayer. You continue to pray for mercy and grace upon our lives. You know, that's important. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave, leave some time for Rick because I always love to hear him. So God well, bless you. you both. And I'll call next week with my other question. Well, thank you so much for your call and your question. All right. All right. All can right. you get Rick in real quick? We'll try. Are you there, Rick? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, give us your question. We only about, about two more Two more minutes. What's okay. your question? What's the difference between what's the difference between um, chosen before chosen before the foundation of the world and predestined in Christ? Okay, so let me just say this quickly, and then I'll try to develop this more next week. But uh, it's uh, you know when a person talks about predestination, now this is very important for people to hear. They talk about predestination; they see that in the scripture. Immediately, they associate that with Calvinism, because Calvinism taught that God predestined people before the foundation of the world, some to be saved and some to be lost. That's not what predestination is talking about in Ephesians and throughout the New Testament. Predestination is talking about those who have been chosen in Christ. Christ, when you you want to break down predestination, it's those who've been elected in Jesus Christ because Christ is the elected one. So uh, we become uh, predestined and elected 
when we believe in the elected one, which is Christ, and when we come into him, then we become predestined and elected. Now, God knows all things before the foundation of the world, but he doesn't lay upon anybody that's saying, here's somebody that's going to be saved and somebody not. That depends upon you uh, following through the principle of the true vine and being a part uh, of a faithful branch. Because if you, uh, those, he said, you'll either uh, abide in me. Jesus said, you'll either abide in me or out of me. And if you abide out of me, you'll be cut out and thrown into the, the fiery fire. So it's very important for us to understand the differentiation between predestination and election and understand it. It only uh, becomes a reality when we are uh, become believers in Christ and then we become the chosen one in Christ. And it's always have to do with a corporate thing where you're brought into Christ as the corporate one, just like the nation of, of Israel. They were a corporation, but they people became a part of them like the Gentiles, a proselyte by choosing to be a part of that. But a person also too could apostatize and be cut out just like a branch is cut out of the vine. Hopefully that helps out. That's kind of like, uh, you know, a Reader's Digest condensation of that. Thank you for your question. We'll develop it more some other time. Brother Gary, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. And we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer. And hopefully he hasn't pulled out the rest of his hair uh, with these technical difficulties. Uh, and we want to thank you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.